Begin to give him praise. Begin to thank him. Hallelujah. Just go around and greet somebody. Give them a holy kiss. Welcome them. Hallelujah. To June series 2015. Hallelujah. Say you're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. We thank God for your life. The Bible says, unto the Lord shall the garden of his people be. And we are gathered to worship him. We are gathered to give him praise. We are gathered to exalt his name. Hallelujah. The Bible says that the Lord is able to move with many. And he's able to move with few. Hallelujah. Just begin to give him praise. Amen. 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 Glory to your name. God bless you, my sister. God bless you. Good to see you. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Glory to God. Okay. All right. So tonight, we'll be looking at the church and the next generation. Amen. The church and the next generation. The church and the next generation. We serve a God that looks long term. Amen. God is not short sighted. God is long sighted. Hallelujah. God speaks to generations. When he called Abraham, even though Abraham had no children, he says, out of you I shall bring forth a mighty nation. Glory to God. So he was speaking to the loins of Abraham. In the eyes of God, God was seeing nations. Hallelujah. In Abraham, God was seeing you and I and the generations to come. So we serve a generational God. So for someone with generational insights, you need what is known as succession planning. Why? Because as humans, we are temporary people. Amen? We are temporary beings. Not until we die, we become eternal as Christians. Hallelujah. So the Bible talks about six uh, uh, um, and three scores and ten. Seventy. See, the days of our sojourn on the earth is three scores and ten. Seventy years. If we live to a hundred, praise be to God. Hallelujah. So, as a result of that, God thinks long term and he thinks generationally. Hallelujah. Amen. So, God is already thinking about generations after us. But we have a part to play in God's thinking. Hallelujah. Amen. So, God has a plan for the faith to continue till he comes back. Amen. Amen. And that plan is unveiled in Psalm 78. Amen. Turn with me to Psalm 78. <coughs> Hallelujah. Amen. We'll read verses 5 to 8. And how does God want this thing to be accomplished? How does God want the baton to be passed on from generation to generation? How does God want the legacy of the faith to continue with the same potency and ever-increasing glory? Hallelujah. The Bible says in verse 5, it says, He established a decree in Jacob. Ah, glory to God. He established a decree in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel. Hallelujah. Which he commanded our ancestors. So people before us, he commanded them to teach to who? To their children. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor you've got a duty. And God forbid that will fail God. The Bible says to teach their children. What? are we meant to be teaching their children? Let's unpack that. What are we meant to be teaching their children? Or our children? Hallelujah. The Bible says to teach them that the next generation might know God. Oh my goodness. Hallelujah. 
If this is the only thing that you do as a parent, you've done a lot. But the mistake is that many parents are busy chasing money and all these things and all that. But the most important legacy you will leave for a child is the knowledge and the fear of God. Amen. Because when you're not there, when the money is used up, when there's recession, the monies are wiped out. Billions wiped out in the twinkle of an eye. Gone. When there are natural disasters and companies go bankrupt, it's faith in God. That will sustain you. Hallelujah. Jesus said that heaven and earth might pass away, but not a jot of my word. It's the best legacy you will leave for a child. The devil is a lie. And parents will be running to and fro and chasing money at the expense of the kingdom. They get the money, they pass it on to the child. The child blows it on drugs and, and, and waywardness. Why? Because the foundation is not there. And that child ends up even poor. Hallelujah. Because the foundation is not there. Hallelujah. The Bible says that the next generation might know them. The children yet unborn. And rise up and tell to their children, glory to God. So that they should set their hope in God. Not in man. Not in government, not in money, but in God. And not forget the works of God. But what? But keep his commandments. Hallelujah. Keep his commandments. And they should not be like the ancestors, a stubborn and rebellious generation. So also we learn from the mistakes of the people before us. Amen. So it's not just okay for us to teach, but also we show them the mistakes so they will avoid these pitfalls. Glory to God. That is how knowledge increases. You know what? Amongst all the creation, only mankind has the ability to pass on information. Dogs don't pass on information. A dog dies and he dies. It doesn't pass all its learned over the years to the next generation. A horse doesn't do it. But man has that unique ability to pass information. Our ancestors use stories. They use folklore. Amen. They do modeling. They go with you. They say, come, let me show you. Come, follow me to the farm. Follow me to, um, for, um, to, 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 to the haunts. And through that, we learned, and we passed on, and we passed on, and we passed on. And now with the internet, it's even explosive. Hallelujah. The amount of information we have concentrated on the cyber network. A generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. So we have that legacy, as we've seen here from scriptures, to pass on the knowledge of God. To teach the pitfalls of the bonds that come before us. But also to teach them to keep the commandment of God. Malachi 2.15. Malachi 2.15. Malachi 2.15. It says, you were united to your wife by the Lord. In God's wise plan, 
when you married. And the two of you became one person in his sight. Amen. So why is this the case? And the prophet said, and what does this mean? What does he want from this? What is the old idea behind children? What is the old idea behind having children? Children are not accessories. Some people treat children as accessories. Amen. They dress them up and they push, put them in push chair. They pose them for pictures. You see them, celebrities and all that. Children are not accessories. People even pay to have special features on their child. They call them designer babies. Oh, I want his nose to be like this. I want our eyes to be like Children are not accessories. Glory to God. The Bible says godly children from your union. That's what God wants. Godly children. Hallelujah. It says, therefore, guard your passions. Keep faith with the wife of your youth. The Bible talks about the whole idea behind procreation is to produce godly children. I was thinking about this the other day. Apart from school education, the church is the only institution, and that is for Christians now, that you learn from. And so it's very important the church you attend. It's very important the church you attend because church for me is lifelong learning. You go to secondary school, you go to primary school, you go to university, at some point you stop. Probably you get a PhD, you stop. Okay, you probably still do CPD, Continuous Professional Development at Work and all that. But the only institution or the only place that you come on a weekly basis to receive information is the church. So I don't mess about when it comes to the things of church, hallelujah. Because the church will shape you and the church will lift you and the church will promote you. So it is imperative when we come for worship. Church is not a social club. It's not something you do, oh, I have one free time. Let me stop by. No, 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 no. We come for impartation. Hallelujah. So what is my thesis? How well are we doing as a generation? How well are we doing as the church? How well are we doing with this mission that God has committed into our hands? Amen. Are we raising godly children? Are we inspiring children to serve God? To keep their eyes on God? To be inspired through the things of the Spirit and launch out by faith. To choose careers that will please God's glory. To choose vocations that will glorify His name. To look at things that will make an impact to humanity. And at the same time, give God glory. Amen. Amen. Based on research, spiritual discernment, and anecdotal data, this generation is not doing too well. Amen. All the statistics show that... Most kids that grow up in church, that once they get to university, that is it. Amen. In fact, there are many Christian kids that cannot wait. University is their ticket out of church. It's so sad. University is their ticket out of church. So they will do everything now. And as they gain their admission, that is it. Bye-bye, daddy. Bye-bye, mommy. They won't tell you. You understand? But that's it for church because that's it. That's why you see kids... Traveling very far sometimes. So there'll be no excuse. So parents will not say, oh, come to church. Oh, no, you know, I have assignments to do and all that. But why? Why is that the case? Because we are not inspiring them. Hallelujah. And we are not inspiring them enough to see the benefit of the faith. In such a way that the faith is so engrafted in them that they cannot see anything better 
Hallelujah. Other than the glory of God. So I liken it to the life of Samson. Samson was a man with unlimited power. But at the same time, Samson was so into himself. Amen. And we will, I'll begin to unpack this. In Judges 13, we see the visitation from God when, when the angel visited Samson's mother. Judges 13, hallelujah, in your Bible. The Bible records that the visitation came. The woman was barren, but God visited her. And she found favor in the eyes of God. And in verse 3, the Bible says that the angel said to her, it says, although you are barren, haven't born no children, you shall conceive and bear a son. Now be careful not to drink wine or strong drink, to eat anything unclean, for you shall conceive and bear a son. No razor is meant to come on his head, for the boy shall be a Nazarite to God from birth. Hallelujah. He's going to be a special person. He's going to be set apart. Why? Because he has a mission. And I tell you tonight that we all have a mission. Amen. 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 We all have a mission. Mark Twain said something really powerful. He said the two most important days in our lives are the day we are born and the day we, are, we realize our purpose. Hallelujah. The day we realize the reason why we are born. Those two days are the most important days. Hallelujah. Amen. Sadly, many people die without, without ever knowing what their purpose is and never fulfilling their purpose. He says, it is he who shall begin to deliver Israel. That's his mission. From the hand of the Philistine. Hallelujah. So there was a clear mandate on the life of Samson. Anointed by God. And God gave instruction on what he should eat and what he should drink. Why? Because of his purpose. I tell you, your purpose restrains you. Oh my goodness. The Bible says that they that have this hope prepare themselves. How? Did Hey, they that have this hope prepare themselves daily. He says, where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint. Your purpose will restrain you. Your purpose will keep you from trouble. Your purpose will keep you from wasting your time. Hallelujah. That's why it's so imperative that we understand what our purpose is. Because of the purpose that Samson was created for, there were things that Samson could not do. You don't need to do what everybody else is doing. Amen. Amen. You don't need to. You need to be yourself. Amen. Amen. Jesus said, for this purpose was the Son of Man made manifest. There were other people doing other things. But he said, no, that's all right with them. He said, for this purpose was the Son of Man made manifest. He said, I shall work while it's day. For the night come that no man can work. Hallelujah. Your calling will restrain you. Your purpose will restrain you. Your purpose will make you to make some hard and difficult uh, um, choices. Your purpose will make you unpopular, but it doesn't matter as long as God's name is being glorified. Amen. Amen. The Bible records in verse 24 that yes, she gave birth as God prophesied. The boy grew and the Lord blessed him. The spirit of the Lord began to stare him. Hallelujah. We skip to Judges 14 verses 1 to 3. We now begin to see narcissism in, 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 in Samson's life. This me, me, me factor that sadly has even come into the church and consumed this generation. But tonight the yoke will be broken Amen. in the name of Jesus. Amen. It says, once Samson went down to Timnah, and at Timnah he saw a Philistine woman. Then he came up and told his father and his mother, I saw a Philistine woman at Timnah. 
Now get her for me as my wife. For who? For me. But his father and mother said to him, Is there not a woman among your kind? Or among all our people? That you must go and take a wife from the uncircumcised Philistine? So it's, it's, it's like the whole story in the book of Genesis. God says you can eat everything, but that tree, do not eat from it. And that is the tree that brought humanity to where we are today. And the same thing the spirits were telling him. Why that woman? There are other women. Amen. God-fearing women. Women of purpose. Men of purpose. He says, why that one? What does Samson say? Samson says, but Samson said to his father, get her for me because she pleases who? Me. Amen. Amen. Me. We skip to Judges 16 verse 1. Again, Samson went to Gaza. He saw a prostitute and went into her. Again, Samson restrained. Casting off restraint and just doing whatever he pleases. Hallelujah. Whatever it feels right for him, he does. Judges 16 verse 4. After this, he fell in love with the woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. So to call a long story short, he led a purposeless life. Samson was so gifted, was so anointed, but he didn't even understand what he had. I've worked a lot with young people, and I used to say to them, I said, there are two types of people. There are people that are hardworking, and there are people that are gifted. And sadly, what I realized is that most time in life, the people that are hardworking do better than the people that are gifted. Because the people that are gifted become complacent. And sometimes they don't even appreciate what they have. Amen. There are people that could be studying medicine, but they end up doing something that is not so insignificant. There are people that could add value to life and change humanity and find solutions to some of the problems facing humanity. Design drugs that will heal cancer, AIDS, and all these ailments that are eating up humanity. But because they lacked the discipline, they had the ability, but they lacked the discipline. But on the contrary, you see somebody that, did not, that does not have the ability, but are willing to put in the hours. They will work hard. They will work hard. They will work hard. And over time, you begin to see them accelerating. Amen. My mother used to say something. She said, the race is not for the swift. Neither is the battle for the strong. Hallelujah. She used to say the heights that great men, rich and kept, was not reached by sudden flights. But they, while their companions slept, were busy toiling day and night. Hallelujah. Ah, you want to be great? You've got to pay the price. Oh, hallelujah. Shortcuts will not take you anywhere. Mm. <laughs> In fact, what we think are shortcuts end up being the longer routes. You have to pay the price. Say, oh, I finished my homework. So what? <laughs> oh, I want to watch TV. Read a book. Hallelujah. Amen. I fin- One more homework is the bench, is the, is, the, is the foundation. You finish your homework that they gave you, you think, and that, you think that, that is what everybody is doing. Everybody is doing homework. <laughs> you want to excel. And you settle for that. I'll finish my homework. And you're clapping for yourself. Pick up a book and read. Hallelujah. Amen. Raise your standards. Amen. Amen. And you think that is it. You settle for the very base, the benchmark. 
average what everybody else is doing. How can you stand out? Amen. Amen. How can you stand out when you're doing what everybody else is doing? It's impossible. You have to raise it to the next notch for you to stand out. His life was purposeless, even though he was so gifted. As a result, the grace at his disposal was overshadowed by his passion for the gift. His focus was on the gift and not on the giver. Hallelujah. But thank God for the grace of God. The Bible says that even at the end, that God empowered Samson to do more than he did when he was alive. Hallelujah. A very interesting thinker said this. He said, he who has a why to live can bear almost any how. He who has a why to live can bear almost any how. Because you have a purpose. I read the research. There was somebody that had, that was involved in a serious accident. <coughs> the chances of survival were quite slim. But this man was so passionate. The doctor said even when he was unconscious, you could feel the fight in his spirit. The man made recovery. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Why? Because he had a purpose. He could not see himself in the hospital. He said, no, this is not for me. Hallelujah. That purpose that he had, the why that he had, compelled him and accelerated his immune system for healing to begin to happen. Hallelujah. For him to get out of the hospital. He said, this is not where I'm meant to be. Glory to God. When we have a why, then the how doesn't matter. The situation and the circumstances you face don't matter. Somebody say, ah, why are things so difficult? Say, don't worry, it's just a matter of time. Amen. Why? Because I know my why. Hey, glory to God. Mm-hmm. Say, oh, your business. Ah, how many customers do you get? Oh, I just get a few. But don't worry, it's just a matter of time. Hallelujah. Oh, that your studies, how are you doing? Say, yes, I've just started. Ah, you mean you, you, you started from year one? How old are you now? Ah, you say, yes, yeah, just a matter of time. In four years, I'll graduate. Glory to God. Amen. Because you know your why, the how. Doesn't matter. You can bear the pain of the how because the how is now. The why is the future. Glory to God. So, what is purpose? What is the purpose of the church? What is the purpose of the church? There are two key purposes of the church one, to serve God, to worship Him, to magnify His name, to give Him glory. The other thing is to serve humanity. Hallelujah. To serve humanity. That's why the Bible calls us salt and light. Amen. Amen. To serve God and to serve humanity. Amen. Amen. The church was not designed to provide us comfort. That is how the devil corroded the church. Amen. And thank God the church is waking up again. Because people think, oh, the church, you know, when you give your life to Christ, you will get money, you get house, you get car. You know, you'll be comfortable. That's not what Jesus said. <laughs> Amen. Oh, you, you get, ah, you know, you, you drive big Jeep. And then uh, you get private jet. That's not, that's not what Christianity is about. Sorry to disappoint you. <laughs> the church is not designed to provide us comfort. Jesus said a, 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 a servant cannot be greater than the master. 
What the church is designed for is a, an avenue for us to partner with God Amen. in fulfilling his will. Amen. That's why it says, seek ye first the kingdom. It says, and all other things shall be added. Amen. Amen. It's not designed to provide us comfort. So the devil is disturbing me. The devil is attacking me. Yes, because you're a Christian. I'm reading a book right now about this operation mobilization and how this movement started in the 60s. And I'm in the middle of the page, and already 12 people have died. <laughs> 12 people that gave themselves to the mission have died already. The mission, the, the organization is centered around mission and discipleship. They send people to everywhere. People volunteer. They go to Africa. They go to Asia. They go, people, as people are dying, people are going. In fact, I just read a story of a guy that was burnt, attacked in India, and burnt himself and his two sons. His wife continued with his daughter. I said, my goodness, this is the same church. And this is the same standard we'll be judged with. And we think we just come to church and say, oh God, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. Amen. That's not what Christianity is about. The devil is deceiving us, but he won't deceive us. He's deceived the church, but he won't deceive us. The Bible says we are disciples. We are called into the discipline. We are called to be followers of Christ. We are called to lead the life that Christ led. We are called to be the lights and the souls. Amen. Amen. There was a girl that gave her life in Korea. And she now came to India to volunteer. On the first trip, she had an accident and she died. Many stories like that. Glory to God. But the people were not moved. Amen. Amen. And I was telling Denisha, I said, these people are at the cutting edge of warfare. That is what warfare is. You think warfare is, oh, I'm doing spiritual warfare. No. That is part of warfare. It doesn't stop the one praying and binding the devil. You can't bind the devil. You have to bind the devil and go out. That's why the Bible says, faith without works is dead. Amen. Amen. At the very cutting edge of mission. Going to places where Bibles were not allowed. Risking their lives. Some of them were locked up for years. Tortured. Glory to God. They're still praising God. So filled. When the Bible said being filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. The, the, the affairs of this life was not their concern. Hallelujah. They were soldiers sold out to the things of God. If man have come to love so much, David Brooks, he says something. David said, he said, People plan for happiness. It says, but they are shaped by suffering. Hallelujah. Mm -hmm. And it's so true. Because Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus, Paul writing about Jesus, he said he learned obedience through the things he suffered. Amen. Amen. And we are followers of Jesus. Amen. Amen. He said, people plan for happiness. But ultimately, it's the challenges and the <laughs> circumstances that we face that makes us stronger. That builds character in us. Amen. Amen. Tell your neighbor you're stronger than you think. It is situations and circumstances. Hardship. Amen. Femi uses the gym. He will tell you. The more pain you feel, the more those muscles are working. Hallelujah. Amen. The more pain you feel, the more those muscles are working. And that is how life is. The tougher it is, the more difficult it is, the more you're building character. Amen. You say you want to be great. Greatness doesn't come overnight. 
It starts with the situation and the circumstances we're facing now and how you deal with them. Hallelujah. So how did we get here? The Bible talks about a very interesting story in Matthew 13. Verses 24 to 30. Are we there? Matthew 13, verses 24 to 30. He put before them another parable. He says, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to someone who sowed good seed in his fields. And while everybody was asleep, an enemy came and sowed weed among the wheat. And then went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then weeds appeared as well. <laughs> Hallelujah. He went out and he sowed weeds. Worked really hard. I remember when I was in school, we used to do agricultural science. And agricultural science, we do the theory and we do the practical. We were blessed. We were in, in an estate where there were lots of land. So, so we had farms. We had um, allotments that we could actually practice all the things that we learned in school. So I know the pain that is involved in farming. You, you, you have to break the ground. You have to till it. You know, first of all, you have to get rid of the grass. You get rid of the grass. Then you break the ground. Then you make ridges, then whatever you're planting, then you now plant. Hallelujah. Amen. Then you now go and you water it, you water it, you water it. Because you'll be assessed on what you planted. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. Till that plant starts growing. So imagine this man had taken the effort to clear the grass, the weed, break the ground, plant a seed, and then watered it. The Bible says a wicked person came and planted weeds. Amen. Weeds among the weeds. The Bible says, so when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared as well. And the slaves of the householder came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? Where then did these weeds come from? He answered, he said, an enemy has done this. The slave said to him, then do you want us to go and gather them? But he replied, no, for in gathering the weed, you would uproot the weeds along with them. So both of them grow together until the harvest. And the harvest time, I will tell the reapers, collect the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burnt. But gather the weeds into my barn. You see, and this is where the church is missing it. Because people think, ah, see, this guy is doing it, it's still okay. You know, see, ah, look, look at that church. Look at what they're doing. Ah, they're prospering, you know. Ah, you know, the pastor just bought a new car, bought a new house or whatever. This is it. And we think because these things are happening, that means God is happy. Amen. Amen. But that is what Jesus is explaining there. He said these things, the wheat and the wheat will grow until <laughs> there is a time. Hallelujah. Amen. Until. So that is why it is imperative that we know our purpose. And know our calling. And we do not look at what other people are doing. Hallelujah. Do not measure yourself with other people. Measure yourself with God. Amen. With God's standard. Hallelujah. Amen. Measure yourself with God's standard. And God will bless you. In Jesus' name. Amen. So we see a very good example with the Macedonian church. The Bible says that in 2 Corinthians 8... Verses 1 to 7. Are we there? 2 Corinthians 8, verses 1 to 7. 
I need us to make notes or look at these scriptures. Amen. So it's not like I'm just saying things. They, they, they were building foundations. They are based on biblical truths. Amen. He said, we want to know, we want you to know, brothers and sisters, about the grace of God that has been granted to the churches in Macedonia. For during a severe ordeal of affliction, the abundant joy and extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. It says, for I can testify that voluntarily they gave from their means. So these people were not having a wonderful time. In verse 2, the Bible says, for during a severe ordeal of affliction. Another word for affliction is pain. Hallelujah. It wasn't like these people had so much money. They were going through so much. The Bible says, and they, 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 but in spite of that, they had an abundance of joy. You see some Christians, their heads are down. See, what is wrong with you? Oh, Pastor, if only you know I'm going through. These people were going through so much. But the Bible says their joy was overflowing. Hallelujah. Amen. Because they knew that their strength came from God. And they knew that the situation and circumstances that they were facing was temporary. The Bible says during a severe ordeal of affliction, the abundant joy continued. Hallelujah. They were going through what? Extreme poverty. Hallelujah. But in spite of their poverty, they were still generous. Amen. Amen. And by way of background here, what was happening? Paul was raising a contribution for the orphans and the widows in Jerusalem. Amen. Amen. So he approached these people. He said, you know, I don't want to put pressure on you. If you have anything to give so we can send to the widows and the orphans. The people gave with joy, with generosity, even though they were going through so much. The Bible says we are moved by faith. Amen. And not by sight. Glory to God. These people were not uh, uh, fair weather Christians. Or oh, when I'm, I get a breakthrough, I come to church. Amen. Or when things are bad, I don't come. Or the other way around. Some people, it's the other way around. When things are bad, they come. When things are good, you don't see them. No, 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 no. These people were grounded in their faith. Hallelujah. The Bible says they were going through severe affliction. But their joy did not change. Amen. Their joy did not, if anything, was ever increasing. It says, for as I can testify, they voluntarily gave according to their means, even beyond their means, begging earnestly. Imagine, people that haven't got anything. Begging earnestly for the privilege of sharing in this ministry to the saints. Hallelujah. These people had the right perspective. They had the right priority. And this not merely as we expected, they gave themselves first to the Lord and by the will of God to us. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. And you know, this faith continues, my dear friends, because these were New Testament Christians. Amen. Amen. So they've set a standard. They've set a benchmark. They demonstrated that love, suffering, Vocation, 
self-discipline, self-policing, commitments to an institution, to a cause, to an organization, builds character. Hallelujah. They exemplify the life of Job, Noah, Abraham, Joseph, Moses, 40 years in the wilderness. David, anointed to be king, but still not king for a long time. Hallelujah. Jesus, through his incarnation, through his rejection, through hardship, through pain, through death, and through suffering. Character provides stability. It demonstrates, demonstrated in tranquility and contentment. Hallelujah. The Bible says contentment is great gain. Amen. Amen. Self-respect. Character gives you self-respect. Demonstrated in defeating yourself and being aware of your weaknesses. Proverbs 16.32. It says, better a patient person than a warrior. One with self-control than one who takes a whole city. Amen. Reinhard Nebel said something really powerful. Reinhard Nebel is a, a theologian. Very, very prolific theologian. Hallelujah. He said, nothing that is worth doing can be achieved in our lifetime. Therefore, we must be saved by hope. He said, nothing which is true or beautiful or good makes complete sense in any immediate context of history. Therefore, we must be saved by faith. He said, nothing we do, however virtuous, could be accomplished alone. Therefore, we must be saved. By love. No virtuous act is quite as virtuous from the standpoint of our friend or foe as it is from our own standpoint. Therefore, we must be saved by the final form of love, which is forgiveness. Hallelujah. Amen. Hope, faith, love, and forgiveness builds character. Hallelujah. So what do we do? What do we do? Now we know the situation that the church is facing. And when I was doing my research, I looked at what people did. A very interesting king, King Ezekiah. King Ezekiah made a blunder in his generation. The Bible said he, he, he called the, 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 the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, he called them in and showed them all the treasures in God's house. Amen. And when the prophet heard, the prophet said, why did you do that? Why did you open the treasures of God to the heathen? Hallelujah. The Bible says, do not cast your pearls before swine. He said, why did you do that? He said, because you did that. He said, this whole nation is going to be taken over. Amen. Amen. They're going to go into captivity. But sadly, you know what Ezekiel said? In 2 Kings 20, 19. Thank you, my brother. Outside. He said, as long as it's not in my generation. Can you imagine? Leadership is so important. Leadership is so important. Hallelujah. Amen. He said to Isaiah, he said, the, Lord of the, word, the, the, the word of the Lord that you have spoken is good. For he thought, why not? If there will be peace and security in my days. Amen. So Isaiah did not do, Ezekiah did not do anything about it. Even though he was told that because of what you have done, this nation will be taken. He said, well, is it okay in my time? 
The prophet said, he said, okay, no problem. God bless you, man of God. And he carried on and he lived and he died. But let's look at another person, Nehemiah. And some churches are like that. They don't care. Amen. They don't care about the generations to come, as we saw in the book of Psalms. But that is not Healing Springs Fellowship. Amen. Amen. In Nehemiah 4, 7 to 14, we see a very interesting story. When Nehemiah was building the walls of Jerusalem and the foes of God rose up against him, in verse 14 he said something. He said, after I looked these things over, he said, I stood up and said to the nobles and the officials and the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your kind, for your sons, for your daughters, for your wives, and for your homes. Hallelujah. He said, let us fight. He said, we're not going to settle for this, but we are fighting for this generation and the generation to come. Hallelujah. Finally, the prophet Samuel said something concerning Saul. When Saul was so rebellious, when Saul was so stubborn in spite of all the correction that he gave Saul, in spite of all the admonition and the rebuke that he gave Saul, in spite of all the warnings that he gave Saul, the Bible says in 1 Samuel 12, 23, he said, Moreover, as for me, far be it that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. I will instruct you in the good way and the right way. The man of God said, I will not sin. He said, for me to keep my mouth quiet is a sin. Oh, glory to God. Amen. For me not to correct you, for me not to pray to you, for me not to instruct you is a sin. He said, I will not stop. You might not like me, but I don't care. I will do what God has called me to do. Hallelujah. Amen. He says, for me, ceasing to pray, ceasing to instruct you in the right way, is a sin against God. Hallelujah. Amen. So my final submission, while Jesus is the last interpreter of the Holy Rings, duty binds the church through the power of the Holy Spirit, to expand on his teaching in every generation with a view to inspire fresh expression. Hallelujah. Fresh expression. Fresh expression. In every generation, we need to keep this faith fresh so to keep the young people inspired. Glory to God. We're not talking about entertainment. We're talking about spirit-filled inspiration because that is another thing. Where entertainment has taken over the church. If there's no music and theme, no, there's no youth program. No. We need to find things that inspire them. Amen. Amen. To pursue these calls. Hallelujah. Amen. Coupled with prayers, this, is, this all important task should be the primary vocation of all. Most notably, leaders, thinkers, theologians, and pastors. Hallelujah. So we will pray. Glory to God. We will pray. And we'll not just pray today, we'll continue praying. Hallelujah. And I urge you to pray. Hallelujah. Amen. You might not have children now, but you're part of that generation. Hallelujah. I urge you to pray. Glory to God. Let's begin to thank God for His goodness. Let's begin to thank God for His mercy. Let's begin to thank